You're listening to the Labor Radio Podcast Weekly. On this week's show... We only had one observer, and he sat off to the side all day, and he must have been bored out of his mind. Labor Radio volunteer Carol Wydell is also an election official in Madison, Wisconsin. We'll hear her Election Day report from Labor Radio and WORT-FM in Madison. This time, we're not leaving, right? We're, we're maintaining the infrastructure that we've designed, but also really working hard in some of these key battlegrounds to build up local infrastructure, human infrastructure, to get make sure that we have capacity on the ground that can stay there. On the Your Rights at Work radio show, which airs weekly on WPFW in Washington, D.C., Mia Dell, Deputy Director of Advocacy at the AFL-CIO, discusses Labor 2022 efforts and what's next for organized laborers get out to vote. You know, every president back in Roosevelt, there was a talk about rebuilding this country with infrastructure. There's only one person that did that. That's President Biden. So we knew we had to send somebody to Washington in the Senate to make sure that he had the help he needed. Philadelphia Labor Council President Pat Eiding discusses labor's critical election work in Pennsylvania on The Labor Show. Say you drive by an abandoned house, the lawn's overgrown, and the windows are boarded up, and there's a campaign sign in front. What kind of an impact is that going to have? Not much, right? Here's an election pro tip. Signs don't vote, but a person with a sign in their yard probably will. That's from the latest episode of the Million Dollar Organizer. There are just not enough hours in the day to watch it all. So when you have a lot of shorter videos to consume, you know, you're much more likely to go for that than like to commit time to a longer video. Um, I think it's going to help TikTok drive. So you want to start a TikTok account. Union Strong, the weekly podcast from the New York State AFL-CIO, has some useful do's and don'ts. That's all coming up on this edition of the Labor Radio Podcast Weekly. And if you like what you hear, please take a moment to subscribe and share the show. It's what we like to call Sonic Solidarity. I'm Chris Garlock, and this is the Labor Radio Podcast Weekly. Here's the show. I'm speaking with Carol Weidel, labor radio volunteer, but also a longtime election official. She worked at Ward 40 from 6 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. on Election Day. Ward 40 is east of the Ohara River and south of Willie Street and includes lots of new buildings and thus lots of people registering and changing their addresses. Carol explained her duties. I worked at a variety of positions at the poll because our chief inspector, Katie, wanted us all to know how to do everything. So I worked at the poll book. We asked Carol to give us a sense of the mood of the voters. The polls don't open or did not open until 7 a.m. And there were people waiting, but they were patient. They stayed outside the room where we were setting up. And then when we were all ready and we opened up the polls, uh, people came in. I I, uh, I will say that the, the voters were very patient and eager to vote. There was all this publicity beforehand that there might be disruptions, that there would be aggressive monitoring, uh, that people might be intimidated. Did anything like that happen in your polling place? No, it didn't. Our city clerk, Mary Beth Wetzel, uh, advised us that if 
anybody talk to anybody other than the chief inspector, we were to direct the, them, that person to the chief inspector. We only had one observer and he sat off to the side all day and he must have been bored out of his mind. Because? <laughs> because there was nothing to see here. <laughs> there was nothing to see. Uh, it, it was a pretty uh, smooth operation. What was the level of turnout? It was very, it was a, a steady stream of people throughout the day. Larry Jensen has also worked the polls for a long time, since 2008. He commented to Carol about the turnout. I think it was an amazing turnout. There were a whole lot of people registering. There were a ton of absentee voters. It was busy all day. There were quite a few people here. Carol had this assessment of the election. So I think I think it went well. Thanks to Carol Weidel and Larry Jensen, I'm Frank Emsbach reporting for Madison Labor Radio. This is a public service announcement with guitar. And welcome, everybody, to Your Rights at Work. Chris Garlock here with Ed Smith. If you've got questions about your workplace rights, the ones you have, the ones you do not have, the ones you wish you had, now would be the time to give us a call. Your Rights at Work is a proud founding member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network. There's more than 150 Labor Radio and podcast shows just like this one. Hopefully not just like this one, but you can check them out at laborradionetwork.org. This is great podcast shows, and we're happy to share the information with you. Again, laborradionetwork.org, and call us, 202-588-0893. All right. The red tsunami predicted to sweep Republicans into power in Congress last week. Uh, maybe more of a ripple, if that. And union voters undoubtedly played a big role. The Labor 2022 union program featured 100,000 volunteers and reached nearly 8 million voters. And to tell us more about that, we're joined by Mia Dell. She's Deputy Director of Advocacy at the AFL-CIO. Welcome, Mia. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I wanted to dig into these numbers. Uh, first of all, 100,000 volunteers, 8 million voters. That seems like big numbers to me. Give us some context. How does that compare? Sure. Um, so um, we'll just take, uh, I think, 18% of the electorate in this election were union households. So wow. although um, this the results of this election are not due to one group alone or one issue alone, right? A lot of attention is being paid to the impact that abortion access had to voters. A lot of attention has been paid to, I think, the highest number of young voters we've had, increased voters by black and brown communities and women. Um, but we don't feel as if labor is getting its due. Like, And not enough attention is being paid to the unique role that labor unions paid in mobilizing our members. Well, let's talk about that and dig into that. Um, what what what's your sense of of what? Uh, and one of the things I noticed, Mia, was that there seems to have been voters seem to have been really they were not voting straight ticket from what I've read, right? Yeah, no, it's, it's very interesting. Um, so 
I've been in the labor movement for a while, and every election, we always say we're not going to talk about candidates or political parties. We're going to talk about the issues. But this time, it really feels like we nailed it. And uh, we started a year ago um, organizing um, in work sites and talking to union members about union values and then connecting it with issues that reflect those priorities and those values and um, doing things like making sure that every union worker in a workplace is registered to vote and then setting goals at work sites to make sure that the people that are leading this effort are engaging with at least 10% of their members every month and recruiting volunteers, like 1% of their membership into volunteer positions and then constantly training, retraining to provide them with the support they need to secure a, a multi-level communication strategy so that everyone in the workplace is talking to people who they know and trust. So we're not swooping in at the last minute with a list of candidates and saying, this is who you should vote for because the union says so, right? So we've been building this for about a year um, and, and we're still doing it because we are on the ground in Georgia trying to lock in you know, our final Senate race and getting ready for 2024. We always considered this midterm a trial run for 2024. And so we're continuing with that. We're talking with Mia Dell. She's Deputy Director of Advocacy at the AFL-CIO, doing a bit of a debrief on the 2022 elections here on Your Rights at Work. Mia, I'm thinking about the AFL's uh, 10-year plan to recruit uh, a million, uh, is it a million union members? Okay. Um, And I'm just wondering if one of the complaints that I've heard when I go out and spend time on the doors with the rank and filers is that is that it seems like it's only once every you know every other year, once every four years, and I'm 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 sensing that there's a bit of a change uh, from the top on this in in terms of and I've seen some stuff coming out from Liz Schuler, president of the, the AFL CIO, that seems to be suggesting that it is shifting into more of a of a year round effort. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. So, um, you know, I too have had that experience on the doors where we're knocking on the doors and people are like, where have you been? You know, I voted for you four years ago and I haven't seen you since. So this time we're not leaving, right? We're, we're maintaining the infrastructure that we've designed, but also really working hard in some of these key battlegrounds to build up local infrastructure, human infrastructure, to get make sure that we have capacity on the ground that can stay there so that we're not being flown in You know, even for a cycle from Washington, D.C., we need the people who already have the relationships and understand some of the nuanced communications. Um, And so we're making those investments and we're also coordinating it with our ongoing emphasis on supporting organizing campaigns in key states. Mia, this is wonderful to hear from you and hear all exciting week. And we want to keep up uh, since we're now 24-7, 365. uh, We won't be checking in with you once a year, once every other year. So appreciate you spending time with us today. Thank you, guys. That's Mia Dell. She's Deputy Director of Advocacy at the AFL-CIO, giving us the uh, the down low on what's happening with Labor 2022. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this week's Your Rights at Work. Engineer today by Kalia. We appreciate everybody listening. This is a public service announcement with guitar.
Penn back here on the Labor Show with J. Doctor Krause here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. It's an abbreviated only one-hour show tonight because of Penn State football, but we're glad to follow the Nittany Lions, and we're here every Saturday night. Tonight, a special broadcast, of course, Veterans uh, Weekend, as we talked about Veterans Day in our opening segment with the president of the AFL-CIO, uh, Pat Eiding. We'll be with Pat for the full hour. Jay, let's talk about midterms, uh, the elections, of course, earlier uh, in the week, and I'll, without giving you any sort of a lead-in or anything like that, I'll let you pick it up from there. Yeah, Joe, I, listen, it was, uh, as I was rambling on about myself so much, uh, I, I talked in, you know, about what we have here and who we have here, and I have to tell you, uh, first of all, the elections were a surprise to a lot of people, I'm sure, because on the negative side, uh, we were going back into that uh, hellacious time that we put up with with the last president of the United States. And that carried over, and, and all those those uh, thoughts and, of uh, negativity at times carried over. But I have to tell you, Joe, the labor movement in the city of Philadelphia and the surrounding counties was just fantastic in their work that they did, nonstop. We had, in this house alone, under Danny Bowder's leadership, we had, and, and also two of our, our brand-new employees here, uh, that really, really, really worked day and night. And we had folks coming from all unions that were released, walking through here, going out, knocking on doors every day, every night, making phone calls. We had unions out there working on the other side, on the independent side, knocking, knocking on doors by the, by the hundreds, many days and stuff. So the wave that we had out there, and many times in the past we've been able to do this with good results, sometimes not as happy with the results. But in this case, I think, and I always say this, you have to talk to people. You can't talk from a microphone. You can't talk. You know, you do a little bit on a phone. But face-to-face talking to people about the issues. And I have to tell you, Danny and his crew stayed focused on the issues from all the way back in the, before Labor Day, talking about what's going on in this country. And when you talk about the issues to the labor movement, sometimes you have to wake them up because they're very surface thinking. Uh, you know, the, the guy that was there for all, the, all that time talked about jobs that never came about. We have a president now who, who talks about how he is so union and worker friendly that it, you know, other people want to make a negative point of that. It, you know, and every president back to Roosevelt, there was a talk about rebuilding this country with infrastructure. There's only one person that did that, and that's President Biden. So we knew we had to send somebody to Washington in the Senate to make sure that he had the help he needed. And, of course, having the, having the governor, Josh being the governor, is— uh, Make no bones about it. He cares about working people. Some of the work he's done, uh, his attorney general position has been fantastic to make sure uh, contractors and employers who were cheating people had to pay their due, you know, had to pay their due and pay pay the people who earned it their, their due. So um, great, happy. I'm excited about the election. You know, reference into uh, Josh Shapiro, so interesting, um, well, and obvious, I guess, that you reference him. But just a couple of weeks back, we had our first Legends of Labor um, inductee, Sam Staten Sr., and there to present the plaque was Josh Shapiro in the House 10 or 14 days before the election, not to make a speech from the stump, but to present that plaque to Sam Staten Jr. Um, in a fitting way that showed me f- 
watching in the crowd another level of importance of what the union community means to the city, to your community, to everyone. It's a life changer, Pat. And Joe, listen, I could, you know me, I could go on for stories forever because I've been fortunate enough to be here forever. But uh, not too many months ago, uh, we had a, a group of folks, and I may have talked about this on the radio before, a group of folks from, I think, 21 different countries, not cities, countries, come to Philadelphia to be introduced to the labor movement in Philadelphia because of the David O, city councilman, wanted to bring them to awareness of the value that the labor movement is to Philadelphia and business. Uh, not only because of the people who are here, but people, you know, some of these countries want to see if they want to invest their money. Some of these countries want to see if they want to start a business here. And, you know, we, we had a dialogue with them that was very basic. And, you know, you, you, you wonder sometimes when you put in that situation, when you come from Kensington like I did, you know, how the heck did you get here? But, but then you just talk real. You just talk about what we've done and what we, we how we are part of the community, as I mentioned earlier. And uh, I think it was the very next day we got a, a call from the Canadian representative. And I think within a week or two, the Canadian consul came here to meet with us. So, uh, And we had calls from other countries that were asking questions. So that shows that the labor movement in Philadelphia is not, you know, and I'm not going to get in trouble by saying it because I, I, you know, I think the people in the past got us here. We wouldn't be at the table if they didn't. Uh, this election is very, very special, I think, because of the work I saw come through here. We had a young lady here from Austria to stay for two weeks to see how this works. So uh, it's kind of exciting because of the outcome, but it's really exciting to know that we had a big piece of it. It's the Million Dollar Organizer Show. Tips for professional union organizers. Win more campaigns, balance work and family, and leave the competition in the dust. Now here's your host, Bob Odie. Hello, union organizers and future union organizers. Welcome to podcast episode number 65. Today's topic is signs don't vote. When it comes to political campaigns, everything needs to be scrutinized. From the flyers to the door hangers, colors, size, and quality of the materials, television and radio advertising, signs, etc. There's a turf war going on for our attention. One way to get name recognition and be on the minds of voters is with campaign signs. Every campaign uses them. It's an absolute must. They're everywhere. You see them on fences, the side of busy roadways, especially empty lots. A campaign will put up a single sign, and within days another one will appear then another, and another. You can see why it's important to be first. They get bigger, too. Some of these signs are like A-frame structures to withstand high winds. In fact, I recently saw a homeless person seeking shelter under one. Soon there's a long line of signs littering the neighborhood. There's a point of diminished return. Too many varying signs from different campaigns, and the purpose falls short. Graffiti is another problem. Some hoodlum draws a mustache on a candidate's face and the message gets lost. Say you drive by an abandoned house. The lawn's overgrown, and the windows are boarded up, and there's a campaign sign in front. What kind of an impact is that going to have? Not much, right? How do we get our sign to stand out from the others? To most people, the sign that gets our attention is when a neighbor or someone we like and trust puts one in their own front yard or their business. That's a statement. It acts as an endorsement. Is a person going to place a sign in their yard and then forget to vote? Not likely. Are their friends and family members going to notice? Maybe even ask questions? Of course. 
We can lead by example by placing a sign in our own yard and request members to do the same. Remember, signs don't vote, but a person with a sign in their yard probably will. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Union Organizer. We'll see you next time. We are Union Strong. Union Strong. We are Union Strong. We are Union Strong. Union Strong. Union Strong. Union Strong. Union Strong. Union Strong. Joining me on the podcast today is our communications and campaigns coordinator, Liz Sutton. Hi, Liz. Hi, Darcy. She's also our um, rock star TikTok uh, person here at the State Fed. So we're going to be talking TikTok today. Liz, um, start by just explaining to us what is TikTok? How would you explain it to somebody what it is? Sure. Well, TikTok is uh, one of the hottest social media platforms right now. It only came onto the scene as we know it in 2018. It's the fastest growing social media platform that we've ever seen. Um, it's the app of choice for young folks like Gen Z, um, but you know there's more, you know, millennials and uh, you know other generations starting to hop on as well. Um, it's a short form video app. It's extremely immersive. So when you scroll from post to post, there's kind of no dead space. Um, it really just brings you from like one video to the next, which is a new kind of scrolling. Um, and do you think that that is what the appeal is or what is the appeal? Is it just that mindless uh, videos? We all know like videos are where it's at. That's how you get messaging across the best. That's what resonates with people. That's what people want. Is that what the appeal is with TikTok, do you think? Yeah, well, you know, I think that social media has been kind of eroding at our attention spans for, um, you know, over a decade now. And I think that's kind of paved the way for um, these short form videos uh, to really take off. You know, there is so much content for us, um, you know, available to us every day, and there are just not enough hours in the day to watch it all. So when you have a lot of shorter videos to consume, you know, you're much more likely to go for that than like to commit time to the longer video. Um, and I think that's really helped TikTok thrive. So I want to go through a little bit about how it works and some of the best practices, but let's talk a little bit about why we wanted to be on TikTok. Um, and as I said, so you started our TikTok account here at the state fed, but um, really we want to be where people are, right? Mm -hmm. And especially with the younger audience mm -hmm. and that's where people are on TikTok. Was that how you approached it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, TikTok is kind of the next frontier. Um, it's where all of the like, you know, newer generations of union members and like the future generations of union members are going to be. Um, you know, we've got members that are on there as well. Um, it's the next up and coming thing. And, you know, um, I think we always try to be like early adopters. Of, you know, wherever people are going, it's hard to guess sometimes, but it's pretty obvious now that TikTok is popular. It's here to stay. Um, and it's a fun and engaging way to get our message out. So now we're hearing from some of our affiliates too, and they want to get involved. They want to get accounts going. Um, tell us some of the best practices. I'm uh, one of our affiliates, maybe listening to this or watching this, and I want to start a TikTok account. What do you think that they should do first? Sure. So um, first, of course, you got to open up a TikTok account. And when, um, when you're doing that, I want you to think about um, 
a little bit about search engine optimization, which is not like the uh, most exciting topic ever. But, um, you know, uh, TikTok, like I said, with the algorithm, it decides what to serve people like based on like keywords also. So, um, for example, in our name, I put, you know, NYS AFL CIO abbreviated, but I also put Union Strong because that's going to help you know, TikTok, like determine what kind of account we are and get us shared to the right people. You would be thinking very hard about your bio and your username and the words that you're using, because it's very important to uh, help, you know, get your videos in front of the right eyes. <laughs> okay. And, then, and I would imagine much well, the way we launched this podcast, you know, maybe one thing to do too, is to just start searching through other unions, right? And seeing what people are putting out there, maybe for some ideas. Absolutely. Um, you know, if any kind of like, marketing, you know, you always want to see what um, you know your peers are doing. And it's a great way to get inspiration. So I think just like spending some time in the app is a really important place, you know, to start. Um, I would recommend maybe starting a personal account first as you're poking around. Mm -hmm. And then with your union account, um, you know, I, um, you want to search or you want to watch the videos very intentionally, because that for you page, what shows up on there can be helpful to you. For example, I watch a lot of videos on our, the state fed TikTok about, um, you know, from marketing influencers who find all the trends for me. We'll get into trends a little later, but it makes my job a lot easier because they just, it just it's served right to my for you page. Like here's what's trending right now. Um, and you know, that's their bread and butter is getting those, those things out. And it's helpful to me. And because I watch those videos on almost exclusively on the state fed feed, in addition to like our affiliates and, uh, you know, their union videos, um, that gets served to me and it's really helpful. Well, you're doing a great job. Ours has really taken off. We appreciate all the time that you spend working on that. Thank you, Liz. Thanks, Darcy. It's been a lot of fun. I'm Rick Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history, the year was 1936. That was the day that workers at the General Motors plant in Atlanta, Georgia, participated in a sit-down strike. This was part of a wave of labor organizing during the 1930s. Other General Motors plants in Kansas City and Cleveland went on strike. The most famous sit-down strike occurred in December in Flint, Michigan, where striking workers occupied General Motors plants for more than 40 days. The goal of these strikes was to unionize under the auspices of the United Auto Workers Union. The United Auto Workers was founded in May of 1935 in Detroit, Michigan. The union was initially part of the American Federation of Labor. However, when John L. Lewis formed the Congress of Industrial Organizations, the UAW left the AFL to join the new Labor Federation. This strategy was first used by CIO rubber workers in February and March of 1936. While it is believed that IWW members at the General Electric Works in Schenectady, New York, were the first to sit down as they protested the firings of three fellow IWW members in 1906, the CIO mastered the tactic of the sit-down strike. The method was effective because when workers sat down on the job, management was hesitant to use force to evict them. They worried about damaging production equipment. The sit-down also made bringing in scab labor very difficult. A 1939 Supreme Court decision effectively ended most sit-down strikes in the United States. Come away with me, Lucille, in my merry old mobile. Down the road of life we'll fly 
automobile bubbling. You and I. Labor History in Two brought to you by the Illinois Labor History Society and the Rick Smith Show. For more information, go to laborhistoryin2.com. And that's it for this edition of the Labor Radio Podcast Weekly, our roundup of highlights from just a few of the more than 150 labor radio shows and podcasts that make up the Labor Radio Podcast Network. We've got links to all the shows you heard today in the show notes, and you'll find all the network shows at laborradionetwork.org. You can also find them. Use the hashtag LaborRadioPod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Labor Radio Podcast Weekly was edited this week by Patrick Dixon. I produce the show, and our social media guru, as always, is Mr. Harold Phillips. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Labor Radio Net. Find out more on our website, laborradionetwork.org. For Labor Radio Podcast Weekly, this is Chris Garlock. Hey, stay active and stay tuned to your local Labor Radio Podcast show.